Welcome to the Do What You Love podcast. We believe that doing and belonging contribute to well-being. And through this podcast, we will explore how to share strategies for doing exactly that, what you love. Although some members are health and well-being professionals, this podcast provides wellness management in an informational manner only. Under no circumstances should this podcast substitute for a call or visit with a healthcare professional that is or can become familiar with your lived experience. the Do What You Love podcast. We thought we'd talk a little bit today about some of our personal experiences with online learning. Anna and I uh, actually met through online learning. So I'm a second year, now I'm a second year OT student at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. And Anna was a TA for a course I was taking. So we got to navigate the, the pandemic and the shift to online learning together, but from two very different perspectives. And it's something that brought us together and we were both we all, we found things that we were both interested in about it, and it sparked a lot of conversation between the two of us. So we thought we'd talk a little bit today about that. Yeah. So um, back in May and June, I was being a teaching assistant at Dalhousie for the program design and evaluation course. And I shared what I had been doing with Beyond COVID as an example um, of some program design, just like as a, to show some experiential knowledge and things that had worked and things that hadn't worked in my experience so far. Um, at that time, Amelia emailed me and she expressed interest in doing stuff related to more non-governmental NGO work. Um, and she thought that the website was a great idea. Um, so when she stopped being a student um, with me and I stopped being a TA, then she reached out and like we kind of had this opportunity um, to kind of grow and have this just get more involved in the OT world as an OT student. I already had a bunch of OT students on the team at Beyond COVID um, from the US and Canada. So just kind of having a team member there. And here we are. <laughs> so one of the first things that we wanted to touch on today, and I think this was something that was experienced universally, regardless of whether or not you were a teacher, a student, um, a childcare provider, a frontline, a frontline worker in, in many of the different industries that we learned and considered as frontline workers during the pandemic, um, was adapt- adaptation burnout and how we needed to learn to give ourselves space and realize that we can't we can't do everything the first time around and sometimes the best we can is the best we can and I think that's something that from a teaching perspective and from a learning perspective Anna and I had very similar but very different experiences with just because of our role. Yeah so for me like as a teaching assistant part of my role was I was delivering online lectures so because of the pandemic, I had actually wanted to be a teaching assistant for quite some time. I really love teaching and sharing knowledge, um, but the nearest campus to me is about four hours of travel away, so it wasn't really feasible in my life pre-pandemic. However, one of the silver linings for me of this pandemic experience was that many universities did transition to online learning, so this opened up the opportunity to become a teaching assistant. And I had actually reached out to a former prof of mine, uh, Nikki Kepek, about, I think it was one of her papers or something. And we got into the discussion and she said she was teaching the course again. And it was a course in program design and evaluation, which had been one of my favorite courses at Dell. So it basically, but long story short, I became a teaching assistant for that course. 
And so I was involved in designing lectures and preparing lectures that would be delivered asynchronously, which means that people weren't watching them or participating in them all at the same time. They were recorded so that people could look at them on their own time, as well as um, being a part of the labs and like a go-to person in the labs, which were done all at the same time. So I was um, supervising 13 different chat rooms um, to connect with students and support them with their learning. And during this process, like adaptation burnout, we were trying to find lots of ways to make it accessible. And as you guys probably can tell, I'm really passionate about accessibility and inclusive learning. So we made things like transcripts for our lectures. Um, we played with a couple different methods of delivering lectures. So we had videos and we also had PowerPoint. Um, we added some subtitles to videos to improve their accessibility or with the goal of improving their accessibility. Um, but there were times when things came up in the middle of the course and we were just like, uh, like we wish we'd known this before, but we don't. So it was just giving ourselves some compassion that we, we couldn't put absolutely everything into play the first go around um, and that we could learn and do better in the future. I was going to say, I think from a student perspective, too, that you were all of the faculty I found was really, really transparent in that, that, you know, we are learning, we are doing the best we can, we are, we're all in this together. And that made, for me personally, I can't speak on behalf of the entire class, but for me personally, that made that transition of learning so much easier, knowing that we were all on the same page. Like maybe we yeah. were subjectively experiencing things very differently, but the fact that we were all navigating this new way of learning together and you know, it's, it's not going to be perfect. We're, we're going to get better at things. And it was really also neat to see the evolution of how things got better. Like you could tell mm -hmm. from week one, when we started, I think it was just the last week of March until our final semester or sorry, our final week of class in July, it was phenomenal how quickly that transition became so successful in delivering an online format and a way of learning that we'd never learned before and that the school mm -hmm. had never delivered before. Yeah, yeah, we're all kind of learning at the same time. And we all had really different experiences with what was happening with the pandemic and with COVID. And as instructors, like we really wanted to acknowledge that and emphasize that there are going to be weeks when students are not going to be getting 10 out of 10 on their weekly participation. Like they could be in like 1 out of 10 or 2 out of 10. And that's okay. It was like, maybe that's where students needed to be for that week. Because um, it's, it's about their learning, how can you support their learning rather than fully taking everything like, oh, you need to be 100% all the time. It's like, we're all navigating this pandemic. Um, we need to give ourselves that space to not perform 100% of our A game all the time. And, and just, I think from a student perspective too, I found like I, I've been in post-secondary in some way, shape or form for nearly 10 mm -hmm. years. And this was the first year. And this is like a little, a little bright, shiny nugget maybe from the from the pandemic, but this was the first year and having that messaging very consistently from the university that, you know, some weeks you might be at a 10 out of 10 and that's what you're used to. And some weeks you might be at a four out of 10 and that's not what you're used to, but that's okay because we're, we're navigating a different part of our life. We've never navigated before. We're becoming a childcare providers. We're working from home. We're studying from home. We can't see the people that we love and we can't do the things that we love. And I mm -hmm. think it was the first time for me anyway, it was the first time that I exercised far mm -hmm. more self-compassion and patience for myself with not doing as well in any of my experiences in post-secondary education. Yeah. 
yeah, it's kind of like being okay. Like we're making mistakes and we have to make mistakes to go forward, like rather than being stagnant and it's going to help us. Like we're going to make them just kind of being okay with like what we can give on that day and what we can take from that day. Exactly. And I think with all of that knowledge moving forward too, we had talked a little bit about this earlier about mm-hmm. being intentional. And mm-hmm. I learned as a learner that I need to be really intentional about the decisions that I make moving forward to put myself in the best position to learn. And for me, an example of that would be I, I've lived by myself for years and I love living by myself. But in a time and a place where I can't casually see my friends in the hallway and I can't casually see my classmates at the library anymore, mm-hmm. that's how I learn best, just through casual conversation. So I've actually made the decision to move in with a couple of my classmates so that I can still have that resource. I can still talk casually over morning coffee and breakfast, or I can still you know, fact check something with my roommate because we're both studying the same thing. And while it might not be a situation or a scenario that I'm used to, I think it'll be, I think it was a good intentional move to be a successful learner and navigating online learning during the pandemic. Is there anything that you feel as a TA moving forward that you might be doing intentionally or as a researcher or as an occupational therapist in general, Anna, um, that you're being really intentional about moving forward? Um, Well, I think with the TA, and this was something that as you said, like we kind of evolved our process moving forward. Um, but even like before I put in the first lectures, cause I did the first week of lectures in May for the course that we were, um, I was TA for, um, there were times when I said things on the lectures and I was like, I didn't even realize I said that or that it was, it came across that way. Like, it was actually a really good learning experience for me. I was like, I, what did I just say? Like, what came out of my mouth? And I, I'd go back, and one of the beautiful things about recorded lectures is you can re-record sections and then merge the audio files. Yes. <laughs> but there'd be things I was like, wow. Like, um, as, you know, like, I've intentionally practiced, like, anti-ableism, and there'd be things that I said, and I'm like, that is so ableist. What did I just say? Like, um, I just um, – Nikki also just, she was a prof for the course, she recently published a paper about language and just being really intentional with the language and Crystal touched on it too about being intentional about the language that we put forward into um, our, our communications and the ways, like really choosing words intentionally about the way that we convey a message so it's understandable and that knowledge can truly be effectively shared. Um, and really acknowledging our position and sharing that knowledge and all our influences on that lens, um, which we'll probably talk about with Nikki in a future podcast episode. Um, but just, yeah, I think like that's really something that came out of my experience with being teaching online was being more intentional in the language I use um, as well, being more flexible in the way that things delivered um, kind of fast, fast forward and, just finished being a virtual preceptor for a placement and I had a student where they were with me for six weeks and they could only see about like half maybe two-thirds of my clients just with consent and um clients feelings of safety and the person the their feelings regarding the personal nature of what they were working with me on um so just like we had to be flexible and there are times when the call would be dropped in a session and they got disconnected and just navigating those as they come and just realizing these things, there's some things that are out of control and we can control the way that we respond to them in yes. terms of technology and navigating. And I think like an overarching theme that comes from all of that is mm-hmm. opportunity. And that's something that 
I've found fascinating through this entire thing is all of the opportunities that have arisen to make learning more accessible mm-hmm. and how we offer, especially post-professional, or not post well, also post-professional mm-hmm. programs, I guess, but professional healthcare programs. So I know a few people who would love to have the opportunity to go to medical school, who would love the opportunity to go to pharmacy school, to go to physio school, to go to OT mm-hmm. school, but because of their their lived experience and the situations that they're currently in. So maybe they're a single parent or maybe they need to work part-time to subsidize their education. Picking up and moving to Halifax or to London or Kingston or somewhere in Alberta, BC to attend one of these programs isn't feasible for them. And, and now we know that these programs can be offered online. And I think that's so mm-hmm. neat. And I know we're, st- we're still trying to figure that out. And there's obviously still with all of these programs, clinical and hands-on components that we need to become licensed healthcare professionals. But I think what we're learning is that there's ways to do that so that we can learn, we can do the theoretical learning online and people can Mm -hmm. do it from their homes. They can work part-time. They can study asynchronously when it fits within their schedule or within their family schedule or within their work schedule. And then we can talk a little bit more about how we can make the in-person learning more accessible. I know there's certain programs, uh, like we mentioned with Lynn the other day when we were talking here at Dal, there's going to be a few days a week where the second year class goes in to do their hands-on learning, our labs, our OSCEs, things like that. Um, and maybe there's ways that we can, in the future, for all healthcare programs, we can extend those few days to be like a, a two-week period or a three-week period where after your theoretical learning or that semester ends, you come in, you do the labs, you do the OSCEs, and then you can go back to regularly scheduled programming in your life mm-hmm. yeah, and still can- have the opportunity to pursue that education. Yeah, it kind of it does open some doors um, in terms of having that flexible timing and the flex- more flexibility with participation. Um, I think there's definitely like some people who might still fall through the cracks with the current system. Yes. Um, in terms of like making sure that our online learning materials are accessible for people with visual impairments or hearing impairments, like I think something. Um, we can do better moving forward and this is looking at education both within systems like universities and high schools and also looking at post-professional learning continuing education is how can we incorporate like having a um, ASL interpreter at our um, education work online like webinars or having and having like someone who's doing live transcription during the web during the webinars um ways that we can just make the content more accessible for everyone um and I think that'll become our mainstream like I think that's a really neat thing that came from this is that yeah this is a we're having this conversation right now and I I bet we're not the first ones and we won't be the last ones to have this conversation hopefully (laughs) hopefully Um, and I think that will that will come yeah it's definitely a conversation that's growing and I think as we explore different opportunities for learning it's also like exploring different opportunities for evaluation so that people who have the knowledge can demonstrate it in a way that they can get licensed to practice as OTs, um, even if they say physically can't do a specific skill um, on, that might be an OSCE skill, they can still do the OSCE in a way where they can demonstrate that, oh, we had this capacity and they might not, like in OT, there's so many different ways that we practice and so many different practice areas that that could be enough for them to get their OT qualification. And then, I was also kind of thinking um, about the proposed professional education. I was reflecting, like, since COVID started, 
it has opened so many more learning opportunities for me personally as a professional um, that wouldn't have been accessible for me before COVID. Because before COVID, I would have had to pay for travel, um, hotel, as well as whatever the fee was for the workshop. And after COVID, so for example, the Canadian Association of Occupational Therapists Conference, I got to go for that. It was at a reduced rate. Um, I have access to recordings. So I'm still reviewing recordings on a weekly basis as I kind of work my way through them um, in a way that fits my schedule um, until the end of December. And so I can have access to all this different learning material. I signed up for a conference in Australia that probably would have been like so many thousands of dollars to attend if it had been during COVID. But because it is COVID and they had that online learning, I can, we're going to have recordings and I can participate um, from Canada, from Vancouver Island. I just find like I can fit in so much more learning into my education budget. It's great. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. And I, I think that's the other thing too, that we talk about accessibility Mm -hmm. um, and the financial aspect of that is a really big one. And it, it does exclude a lot of people from even, I mean, it excludes us from our post-professional development too. That's even required mm-hmm. by us to keep our license. Um, yeah, yeah. like, I think every, like, okay, I, I speak on behalf of myself. Right. <laughs> and but from my perspective, like, I think a lot of people, like myself and a lot of people I know, like, we want to serve our clients well. And we want to serve the people that we work with well and have, like, the tools, grow our toolkits and in community, I work in so many different areas of practice. Like I kind of specialize in being a generalist. So I need to have like lots of knowledge in everything from like mental health and working with people who experience like PTSD or anxiety or depression or living with substance use or um, behavioral addictions, um, like gaming or gambling, um, to also being working with people on seating and finding the wheelchair that fits them just right for what they want to do and to also promote the health of their body like for postural supports and also to make their homes accessible and those are two very different bodies of knowledge one of them's a little bit more mechanical while still keeping that function focus on what needs to happen so a person can do things and the one other ones like a lot more psychosocial and um like more like um communication skill and like more like psychotherapy like there's psychotherapy tools and there's um it's just a very different tools are needed for both approaches it's been a really w- great way to kind of also connect with so many people from around the world and other practitioners and get ideas just being shared and talked about more yeah and I think it's a I think it's as we've been chatting this has kind of been in the back of my head too mm-hmm. I think it's really important to note that even though Anna and I are really really excited about online learning and all of these opportunities that oh, have yeah. been presented and what can come of it I also I again personally it took a long time for me to have that view too. In the beginning when mm-hmm. things were shifting and there was a lot of uncertainty and it wasn't what I was used to, it I wasn't this sunshiny about it. No, it's hard. Not. <laughs> it's hard. I'm glad that I've come. I'm glad that I've come to this point with it and that I'm really excited about it. But I think it's also mm-hmm. important to highlight that a lot of people are still struggling with this change and it yeah. might not be something it might not be something that they see a lot of opportunity for themselves personally with or that they're having an easy time adapting with. So I think it's still important for us to highlight that and recognize that, that again, yeah. even though we're really excited about this, it's it's not something that's been an easy transition for everybody and ourselves included. Our, yeah, like we did experience it, I kind of touched on the start, with adaptation burnout, like we we hit, we hit walls when we were developing the course and we're just like, ah, we're just like exhausted basically. And 
there's COVID burnout and with all that, like we do need to make sure we're giving ourselves like that self-compassion, that self-kindness and acknowledging like our common humanity with everyone. Like we're all kind of going through through this together, even though we are all in different boats and all of our experiences are different. There are things that we're going to be having, they're going to come up that we need to give ourselves space to process and just be kind with ourselves about it and gentle and just be like, it's okay that this is happening. Um, it's okay that we feel this way. Are there ways that we can make space for ourselves to breathe during the process? And I think this has been one of the most empowering stretches of time, especially in my adult life, I would say, <laughs> for knowing that and to be giving myself that patience and to be giving myself a little bit of a break because I knew everybody else around me not necessarily was right off the bat doing the same thing, but it should mm-hmm. also be doing the same thing. So because it became normalized, it was a lot easier for me to do for myself. Yeah. And I think like taking like, as I get really excited, I'm like, oh, all these courses. It's also, I find for my mental health and um, it's important for me to like slow down and just be like, okay, yes, I have all these courses. This many, like this, all these like say the CAOT thing, that's there till December. So I can pace it out like maybe one or two webinars a weekend. Or maybe I go full weekends without a webinar because I'm like, I just need the space away from the screens. Um, I'm just kind of pacing it out and realizing, okay, I have all these things, but I don't need to get them all done at once. I yes. can schedule them out. I can flex them out. Um, I can self-pace them and it's okay to do them slowly. Um, just so that I have the time to breathe and really process information while also doing it alongside full-time work. And I mean, I speak from someone who is single and doesn't have a family. So like, I can't even imagine doing it all with also with having a family and all those demands. Like I really can't speak to that at all. Um, so I think that like I come from a perspective where I don't have as many external time demands. Like I can really focus. I'm at a point in my life where I can really focus on my career. Um, I have more time I can allocate towards it. But something my roommates are always reminding me of, and I practice, is setting those boundaries. And and I think that's an important thing for us to touch on too when it comes to mm-hmm. online learning and being intentional is setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I find it really, really, really hard to turn off. Mm-hmm. When school is right in front of you all the time, I come at this degree with five years work experience in between my degrees, and I find work is so easy to leave at work. And you, there's some days where you have to work a little bit later to keep up on your paperwork, or you might need to stick around to make a phone call. But I find it really easy to leave work at work, and I've always really struggled to set boundaries with school, and I found mm-hmm. it even more difficult when school was at home. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't I was like living at school versus doing school at home. And yeah. it took me it took me a few weeks to even recognize that I was really fortunate in the middle of the pandemic to be able to go home and live with my family and I had somebody else had pointed it out to me and if it wasn't for somebody else pointing out to me I probably would have became aware of it eventually <laughs> but it helped me mm-hmm. fast track that process and learning that okay when five o'clock comes it's supper time I need to go have supper, I need to take a break, maybe read a book, maybe do a craft. And at lunch times, I just started to make a routine. So I would, I'd call a friend in my class, and we would take lunch break together. So I would go for a walk, and she would go for a walk, and we would call each other and talk just like we would in normal school. So mm-hmm. trying to create that routine and set your boundaries and not let school or teaching or work, whatever it is you are doing from home, um, consume every ounce of living, because <laughs> it can happen. Yeah. 
and finding those ways to kind of connect with your classmates like you would after um, class and stuff, taking those breaks in ways where it's not school-oriented and school-centered. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's really nice. So again, it's about recognizing the opportunity that can come from things and also being intentional. And I, I think those are the two really big things we were trying to hit on today. Um, and they can apply to so much more than online learning and online teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really about like setting those healthy boundaries and just realizing that we are all doing our best through this. And until we learn better, like we can, all we can do is our best and hope. Yep, exactly. Well, that about wraps things up for us today. And we will chat next time. Um, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. I know that back to school is a pretty hot topic right now. And we've had a few different episodes uh, on this theme. And we hope that we've been able to bring you some information and some knowledge from different perspectives, whether that be from the leadership at a university, from a professor, from a parent, from a teacher, from a student. And if there is something that we missed, we would love to hear about it. And if you have a story you'd like to share, please let us know. You can always contact us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or our Gmail address at beyondcovid at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a great week. Bye-bye. Music for the Do What You Love podcast was provided by Purple Planet, a royalty-free download service.